Hello, my name is Anna Rina and I serve at the 930 service core team here at HTBB. And I'm so glad to be here with you today. I want to speak to you today about loving the Word of God. The passage we'll be looking at is from Psalm 119. And I'm really excited to get into this today. Now, this psalm is a love song for God's Word. All through the psalm, the writer or the psalmist sings of his reverence, delight and desire for God's Word. And he goes on and on about the greatness and glory of the Word. I wonder, do you ever struggle to read the Bible? Perhaps you find it a little bit difficult to relate to this psalm. And if you're honest, maybe you even find the Bible a little boring and sleep-inducing. Well, you wouldn't be the first. There's actually a story in the Bible of a boy named Eutychus who fell asleep and fell out of a window from a three-story building and died as he was listening to the Word of God being preached. Well, fortunately for him, Paul was there to raise him back to life. So I hope you're sitting in a safe space right now, even as you listen to this word, just in case. Or maybe you've tried reading the Bible, but often find it difficult to keep going and to understand or apply the things that you read in your day-to-day -day life. But I want to encourage you today that this psalm is not so much about what happens when you get into the Word of God, but so much more about what happens when God's Word gets into you. So let's take a look at Psalm 119. But first, some interesting facts to note. Psalm 119 is actually the longest psalm and the longest chapter in the Bible with 176 verses. It's made up of 22 sections of 8 verses each and each section is represented or marked by one of the 22 Hebrew alphabets and each line in that section begins with that same alphabet. Now this psalm is believed to have been a collection of songs written by King David throughout his lifetime. And some Jewish traditions say that King David would use this psalm to teach his son Solomon the Hebrew alphabets. Well, we don't know if this actually happened, but it's an interesting picture of a father instructing his son in the way of the Lord as early as ABC. So instead of A is for Apple, it's Aleph is for Ashray or happy are those whose ways are perfect. Now, I would love to read through the entire psalm with you today. And actually, it would be a pretty good message in itself. But don't worry, we won't do that. I do encourage you, though, to read through it in your own time. But perhaps for today, we can read through one section of this psalm together. So let's read from the middle of this psalm, from verses 89 to 96. Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. Your laws endure to this day for all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. Save me, for I am yours. I have sought out your precepts. The wicked are waiting to destroy me, but I will ponder on your statutes. To all perfection, I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. Isn't it amazing that right in the center of the Bible is the longest song of admiration for this very word of God. 
And as you go through the psalm, you will find that the psalmist uses different terms to describe God's word, seven different terms to be exact. And these are the word, the law, the testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, and rules of God, all of which we can find today in the Bible or what we collectively refer to as scripture or the word of God. And I want to encourage you again today that the word of God is like a seed and seeds are meant to bear fruit. Every time we let the word of God into our lives, whether we realize it or not, something begins to grow within us. I remember waking up one day and finding a bright green sprout growing from my kitchen sink. I had cut and washed a butternut squash fruit in my sink a couple of days before. And as you know, it's quite a fibrous fruit. Somehow, one of the seeds got caught in the sink pipe and stayed there, grew roots and pushed its way out of the sink strainer and into light. I was amazed. This was one resilient little seedling. It survived not just the countless washing and debris that came through, but even some bleach that I would marinate the sink in from time to time. So I carefully removed this champion of a seedling and replanted it in some soil. A couple of weeks later, it was creeping on my balcony railing and flowering bright yellow flowers. Now, I believe the seed of the Word of God is more powerful and resilient than we realize. And unlike my accidental butternut squash creeper, God's Word is intentional and active in achieving its purpose in our lives. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says this, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So be encouraged today that even as you hear this message, God's word is being planted within you. And I believe that when the word of God gets into you, just like the psalmist, you too will grow to love the word. And more importantly, and ultimately, you will fall in love with the giver of this word. Psalm 119 shows us what it looks like to love the word of God. And today, I just want to unpack two ways for us to love the word. And that is by knowing the word and obeying the word. How can we love anything we do not know? Before we can love the word of God, we must first open up our Bibles and know what it says. We live in a world today with so many voices constantly flooding all our senses. In the midst of all of it, God is wanting to speak to us too. He's been speaking since the beginning of time. In fact, that is how He created the world, by His Word. It says right in the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible, Genesis 1 verse 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. In the beginning, God spoke, and He hasn't stopped speaking today. The main way that God speaks to us today is through the written Word of God. He may use many other ways to communicate to us, but even then, all of it has to be in line with what He says in the written word. See, God never contradicts His own word, and He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. In a myriad of voices, we want to be people who can differentiate when it is God speaking and when it is not. 
But it's not just about reading the Bible to get information. More importantly, we read the Bible for revelation. Without revelation, we can read the Bible page to page and find it of no relevance and importance to our lives. Because the Bible is not any ordinary book with ordinary words. These are living words that reveal who God is to us. When we read the Bible, we are really encountering the revealed Word of God that is Jesus Christ. He is the Word made flesh. John 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 5 verse 39, Jesus says, These are the very scriptures that testify about me. So often we want God to just show Himself to us. We say, Jesus, if you are real, please meet me in a vision, in a dream. And sometimes He does do that. But more often than not, the primary way that God loves to reveal Himself to us is through His Word. As I was working on this talk in a cafe recently, a lady walked in and sat next to my table. And as, she, as soon as she noticed the Bible on my table, her eyes lit up and she said, Oh, praise God, is that a Bible? I said yes, and we got to talking and she shared how she actually found God through a passage from the Bible. It was some years ago and she was not a Christian then, but she had Christian friends and she generally knew a bit about the faith. But she didn't think much of it. And since she was born in a different faith, she simply thought, well, to each their own. Well, one night, for some reason, she woke up at four in the morning and had the words Deuteronomy 8 in her mind. And she didn't know what it was, didn't really know that it was from the Bible. So she searched it up and found that it was actually a passage in the Bible talking about how the Lord had led the people of Israel faithfully in the wilderness for 40 years, just before they were about to enter the promised land. And she immediately felt it was God speaking to her. See, she was going through a very dark time in her life at that time, in a foreign nation, away from home, and everything she had built was somehow falling apart. She realized she had also been in some sort of a wilderness for all those 40 years, and now God was calling her home. Well, long story short, she became a Christian, and soon after that encounter, God led her back to her home country, and today, just a few years after, she is leading a Bible study group for some of her church community. Now, in the book of Acts, we read of another story of Saul of Tarsus. Saul was raised Jewish, and he was well-versed in the law of God. Yet, until he met Jesus, those words did not mean much to him, and he went on to persecute followers of Jesus. It was only when he encountered the risen Jesus that the scales fell from his eyes and he was able to see clearly and understand who God was. He would then go on to write at least half of the New Testament that we have today. So when we read the Bible, we need God's help to open up our eyes and reveal Himself to us. It takes God to know God. As the psalmist prayed in Psalm 119, Verse 18, open up my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Verse 73, your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. Verse 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I wonder if you have ever felt like you don't quite understand the Bible when you read it. 
Or maybe you feel you're in a season of darkness and you would love a little bit of light. This psalm tells us that God helps us gain understanding and to see Jesus, the light of the world, even in the midst of darkness around us. The Word of God might seem daunting and complicated at first, but when we approach it with humility and simplicity, God helps us gain understanding. A key tip is to always ask the question, Where are you, Jesus, in this? He is always there in the pages of Scripture, kind of like playing hidden Mickey. Sometimes He's in the most obvious places, and sometimes He's a bit more hidden. Now, practically, there are many ways to get to know the Word of God. You can listen to sermons, read different devotions or commentaries. And if this is where you are right now with the Word of God, keep going and keep seeking more of it. But I want to challenge you today, if you are able to, to read the primary source of God's Word, the Bible itself. There really is no substitute to reading or listening to the actual Bible. So perhaps your first step today is to go out and get yourself a Bible or download the YouVersion Bible app or the Bible in One Year plan. Or perhaps for now, it's just showing up to church every week consistently listening to the Word of God. God honours the little steps that we take to draw near to Him. And you don't have to do it alone. Reading the Bible with others is so much more fun. I can honestly say, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but reading the Bible with my girlfriends is the most exciting thing I have going on in my life right now. God's Word is meant to be shared in community, and He loves speaking to us through one another. If you really don't know where to start, start with this very psalm, Psalm 119. There was once a man who told his children to take one verse of Psalm 119 every morning to meditate on, and so they were able to go through the psalm at least twice a year. That man said to his children, this will bring you to love the Word and to love the rest of the Scriptures. Now that man's name was Philip Henry, and one of his children was Matthew Henry, the great 18th century Bible commentator. Perhaps it was the expansion of Psalm 119 in his heart since he was a child that led to his great love for the Bible and inspired him to write commentaries that we still use today. And in more recent times, I've been so excited to hear about the Bible Translation Project by Illuminations Alliance. If you haven't heard of this yet, this is a collaboration involving 11 of the biggest Bible translation organizations with the mission of making the Word accessible to all people by 2033. The aim is to have the Bible translated to at least 95% of the languages in the world. That's over 3,500 languages that currently have little or no scripture. Why do you think so many people are pouring resources into making scripture available. Well, I believe the word of God changes lives and there is an urgency in our time for people to be equipped in the word of God. And there's a move of the spirit that is bringing about a real hunger within his people to want more of his word and to experience the life-changing power that it brings. Every time we sit with God's word and invite him, invite him in, Jesus is there by His Holy Spirit expounding the Scriptures to us. So I wonder if you would be willing to invite Him in 
to speak to you through His Word and give you new clarity and insight, not just for the scriptures that you are reading, but also for any needs and circumstances that you are going through today. Now, secondly, loving the Word of God looks like obeying the Word. To love the Word of God, it's not enough to just know what God says. If we love the Word, we will obey it too. Obedience is a costly thing and what God commands us to do rarely makes sense to our human and cultural understanding. Obedience is also often a lonely road. But the psalmist has learned that although obedience to God's word may not always be the most natural response, it is always the only right response to it. Hardly a verse goes by in Psalm 119 without the psalmist expressing his desire and commitment to obey God's word. Verse 4 to 5, You have laid down precepts that are to be obeyed. Oh, that my way would be steadfast in obeying your decrees. Verse 167, I obey your statutes for I love them greatly. And verse 71, It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Now, reading these verses, you get the sense that these are not the declarations of someone who has always towed the line and never wrestled with following God's ways. Instead, these are honest confessions of someone who has seen and experienced life on his own terms, only to find that life on God's terms is way better. So much so that he considers even his affliction worth the cost of teaching him obedience to God. As one author put it, Psalm 119 is the thoughtful outcry that rises when real life meets real God. The psalmist obeys God's word because he loves them and he reveres them with a holy fear. And so not only does he obey them himself, but it breaks his heart when others do not obey God's word. He says, streams of tears flow from my eyes for your law is not obeyed. When something is precious to you, it hurts you when others don't value it the way it deserves to be treated. What breaks God's heart should, breaks, should break our hearts too. Now, obeying the word of God is not merely about following a set of do's and don'ts. If it were, <laughs> we would all fail miserably at it. Remember the people of Israel. No matter how many times they tried, generation after generation, they failed at obeying the law of God perfectly. In fact, it goes all the way back to the very first man and woman. The very first command that God gave to them, they broke. Because of the disobedience of the first Adam, all man by nature is born rebellious to God. But because of Christ, the second Adam, who was obedient to the point of death on the cross, our status is reversed from rebel to redeemed. In Christ, we are made new creations who no longer have to live in rebellion to Him. He puts His Holy Spirit within us so that we don't have to obey by sheer willpower but by His power within us. 1 John 5 verse 3-4 says, In fact, this is love for God, to keep His commands. And His commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. 
Some years ago, I wanted to develop a habit of consciously turning my attention to God first thing in the morning. So I started this practice of waking up and saying in my heart, or sometimes out loud, Good morning, Jesus. I love you, and so on. Cheesy, I know, but bear with me. So one morning, I woke up, rolled over, and I said, I love you, Jesus. And immediately, I felt these words said back to me. If you love me, obey my commands. And I knew I had read these words from somewhere in the Bible, but I didn't know exactly where and if that was what the verse said. Later on, I found out that it was John 14 verse 15. And as soon as I heard those words in my room that morning, I knew that God was addressing a particular area in my life where I was being disobedient. I didn't need to pray about it or ponder if what I heard was the voice of God. I knew in my spirit that God was speaking as a father to a child, and I knew I had to obey. Was it easy? Not at all. But I prayed that morning and I surrendered my will and I asked God, help me to obey, Lord. And what I realized on hindsight is that the moment I surrendered to following His will, God began to turn my heart around. See, Christian obedience begins with a heart transplant. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26 to 27, God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. As cliche as it sounds, it's all about the heart. In the past, God wrote His laws on tablets of stone, but now He writes them on hearts of flesh. See, God is not a dictator ruling from a distant heaven. He is a father walking closely with His children. He loves us. He has always wanted a relationship with us above our allegiance. He wants children who are happy to obey Him because we love Him. And so how and why we obey God is just as important as our decision to obey Him. If we obey Him out of fear or obligation, we will only reap bitterness instead of blessing. If we rely on self-discipline to obey, we will be crushed by the weight of self-expectation. And if we obey simply because we want the promise of His blessing, we will be disappointed that the blessing alone does not satisfy apart from God Himself. Anything other than obedience, born out of love for God, is nothing but sacrifice. And God does not want our sacrifice. Sometimes we find it hard to obey because we don't trust the one giving us instructions. It's hard to trust someone you don't know. But when you know who God is, following Him isn't so difficult. If like the psalmist, we know that He is good, and all He does is good. And when we find that His promises have been thoroughly tested, we will know that He is faithful and trustworthy. So perhaps today, if you struggle with obeying what God says, perhaps it's not just because you are being rebellious or stubborn, although sometimes we are, and if so, we should examine our hearts and repent. But perhaps more than that, it's a trust issue. Can I encourage you today that God knows the state of your heart. 
God uses obedience to test and reveal the true state of our hearts. But He also knows the fears you have, the disappointments that hold you back. And if this is you, would you consider taking time in His Word? There is healing for your wounds in His Word. There is truth that will set you free. There is faith that will come from the hearing of these words. He wants to show you that He is not like those things or people that you placed your trust in before. He wants to show you His faithfulness and that His words will never fail. So when He says, Obey me so that you will be blessed, He's not placing conditions on you. He's trying to build history with you. He's trying to do things in you that you cannot even conceive for yourself. My favorite story of obedience in the Bible is Abraham. Abraham was quick to obey God when he asked him to sacrifice his long-awaited promised son because he had history with God. He had seen God come through so many times before when he obeyed his, vo- his voice. And he had also seen what it looks like when he chose to do things his own way. When I heard God's voice that morning in my room, I didn't need to wrestle with him to obey because God has built a history of his unfailing love and faithfulness with me. And if you will let him, God will build history with you too. He is faithful to lead us and to keep us on the path of obedience. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. God's word is like a light that guides our steps, kind of like those tiny LED lights in the cinema that lead you down the steps and help you get to your seat when you're fumbling your way in the darkness. You might not see the whole path clearly all at once, but if you take one step of faith at a time, God will get you to the place of His blessing. And He's also faithful to cause correct you when you go off track. Christian obedience is not a one-off. You can't obey one time and give up or pick and choose which commands you want to obey. Partial obedience is still disobedience. What we aim for is a long obedience in the same direction, and that direction is Jesus. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's hard to live wrong with the right thing hidden in your heart. And ultimately, obedience is about recognizing the sovereignty of God and submitting to the authority of His word. It's resting in the fact that God is God and we are not. His plan is always the best plan and He is always for us, never against us. He will never require or ask you something that is inherently not for your ultimate good. And when you obey, the creator and commander of the entire universe has your back. Perhaps we should ask ourselves today, what miracles, what breakthrough, what provision lies on the other side of our obedience? Not just for ourselves, but for those He places in our lives. So if you want to love the Word of God, get to know the Word of God and learn to obey the Word of God. Whatever it is you need to do this, you can ask God and He will come to your aid. If you need the hunger for it, He will make you hungry. If you need understanding, He will teach you. If you need resources, He will provide. He will even give you a brand new heart. The word is precious, more precious than gold. It is life unto us. 
Many have given up their lives and their freedom and many continue to do so for the sake of this word. The whole world will pass away, but this word of God will remain. It will never cease to be of utmost relevance and importance to us. And the devil will love nothing more than to keep our noses out of the pages of this book because he knows how powerful it is when the word of God gets into our hearts. So I want to end by praying for us today. I want to pray for those of you who struggle to read your Bibles. It's a real thing to feel the distraction, the heaviness, the procrastination. And before you know it, it's been years since you last read your Bible properly. And the second group of people I want to pray for are those who know your Bibles, who love your Bibles, and you feel a prompting or a leading to equip others in the Word of God, but you don't really know where to start. And finally, I want to pray for some of us who may struggle with obeying God. So let's take a moment and let's pray. Lord, I pray for those who struggle to read your Word. Lord, would you help us? Give us a hunger for your word. And if we don't know where to start, Lord, would you guide us and lead us to the right people and resources to help us on this journey? We pray against any distraction or tiredness that may come when we try to open your word. And Lord, we pray for those who have been feeling a prompt to help or equip others in your word. Lord, would you expand your instructions in their heart? and give them confirmation and courage they need to step out in faith. And Lord, I pray for those who, who struggle to obey your word, Lord, those of us who struggle to obey your word, we thank you for your commands that give life. And we are sorry, Lord, for the times that we are slow and reluctant to obey you. We pray, help us, Lord, to obey. And I pray that you give us a new heart and I pray that you reveal to us your faithfulness so that we can surrender and trust you completely. Amen.